God said, I need somebody willing to get up before dawn, milk cows, work all day in the fields, milk cows again, eat supper, then go to town and stay past midnight at a meeting of the school board. So God made a farmer. My administration will be focused on three very important words. Jobs, jobs, jobs. This man must be a minister, a social worker, a diplomat, a tough guy, and a gentleman. And of course he'll have to be a genius because he'll have to feed a family on a policeman's salary. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. We, the citizens of America, are now joined in a great national effort to rebuild our country. Baylor Gonzaga is not an incredible for all of our people. Because today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another, or from one party to another, but we are transferring power from Washington, D.C., and giving it back to you, the people. Hold on to your seats. Buckle up for safety. You are now entering another dimension with The Scott Adams Show. And that's right. My name is Scott Adams. You're listening to The Scott Adams Show. And I want to thank everybody for tuning in to The Scott Adams Show. I want to send my heartfelt condolences to the Locke family. Uh, Alan Locke, a great radio pioneer uh, who uh, gave us our first shot in syndicated radio and terrestrial radio in Philadelphia, uh, passed uh, yesterday, from what I'm told, and I was informed last night, and it came as a shock to me, and uh, so, I, you know, my heart is heavy, and I'm very sad to learn the news of his loss, and my heart uh, felt condolences are sent over to the Locke family. I, uh, they, were such gr- they are such great people, and um, really nice people, really great religious radio station. Um, It's just one of those things. It's a great loss. And, uh, you know, I just can't say enough about this. And, you know, it really did impact me today. I know I sound a little weak and sick. Um, It's because last week I had my uh, gallbladder um, removed. And I've been fighting, uh, you know, that situation a lot. But I'm getting better every day. Uh, my situation is getting stronger every day. So I feel good about that. And, um, you know, and again, we, we talked about my healthcare experience uh, where, you know, basically my nurse lied to me about my numbers in order to keep me in the hospital bed longer than I should have been. And uh, that was to maybe make sure a bed was still there, you know, so that she could have an extra shift. Or maybe it was just a way to milk the insurance companies. And I got to thinking about all of that and, you know, how the government is controlling Obamacare and how the pharmaceuticals are controlling the lobbyists. And when government controls your health care, you have this kind of corruption, 
And sometimes the victims of that corruption are the, are the most vulnerable. The people that are lying in bed with fevers and stitches and organs removed and things like that, that they're helpless. They can't stand up on their own two feet. They can't negotiate anything. They're completely at the mercy of the treatment that they're getting. And there should be an oath. And I believe that there is a medical, an oath to medicine, an ethical, eth- ethical medicine. But that ethic, ethics has gone out the wayside, as has journalism integrity and the ethics of a journalist. Where has that gone? And I think we're living in a world right now where we are surrounded by people who have betrayed the trust. Our journalists have betrayed us for their own political ideology, their own political gains. And for that, you have to look at the leadership or the people at the top, the people that prescribed this, the people that were in charge, whose ideas these were. I can tell you that Donald Trump and the conservative movement that we support were the ones that were calling it out and saying it's wrong. This is why Trump's rallies were so important. This is why Trump's rejection of political correctness and phraseology that appealed to the deep state and to the globalists and to the Democrats you know, where he would say, if he was referring to an anchor baby and someone like, uh, you know, a CNN reporter would say, well, sir, don't you find that offensive? And he'd say, what would you call it? Uncertified, undocumented, illegal, migrant, whatever. You know, it's five words. It's like, no, I'm going to go with anchor baby until you come up with something better. Anchor baby's just fine. They're not one of us. They're one of them. And now here we see, with the new leadership involved, this humongous sellout of America, whether it be the Paris Accord, and and now all of a sudden our Secretary of Defense is talking about climate change as an existential threat, picking up where Obama left off. Climate change is not an existential threat. There's a lot we can do, and we have done great things with respect to (laughs) this type of thing. In fact, America performs better when we go it alone sometimes. Don't steal our money. I could assure you that the middle-class taxpayer who just wants to go to work and allow their taxes to be used for good, to support our police, to allow our taxes to support our police, to allow our taxes to support our roads, to support our infrastructure, to support what makes America great. 
We shouldn't need money to support our religious freedoms and our right to bear arms. That should be free. That shouldn't cost anything. That should not require a lobbyist. That shouldn't require anything. That was already installed in the original contract with America, our Bill of Rights, that we are supposed to be benefiting from. Those rights that protect us. But you hear Biden talking about, well, D.C. certainly should be a state. D.C. should be there. And again, it's always just a little jingle of a key to open up Pandora's box. If you could turn D.C. into a state, and I liked it. Someone tweeted out and said, it was uh, Eric Grinnell. He said, you know, if D.C. becomes a state, then it should not be the only state that has all the government workers. But it's clear in the Constitution that D.C. should be um, District of Columbia and should not be a state. That, That the federal government needs to reside in a place that's not a state. Otherwise, that state gets everything, and other states get nothing. So it should not be. And I don't think they're going to pass it. I think somehow it's going to fail. But but it's just, an, you know, it's just a once it's building a step to the next step. If they can, if they can't get DC, they're going to try to at least allow it to be that that's an inroad to turning Puerto Rico into a state, which I think they could conceivably have a better case because that's not where the federal government resides. But if they were to succeed at D.C. as being a state, then you would have to mandate that each state gets a piece of the federal government, to which case D.C. would no longer be be the place where the federal government resides. I wish they would have broken that up a long time ago. I wish that the Department of Treasury and the Department of Commerce and the Department of Labor and the Department of Agriculture and the Department of the Pentagon, the Defense, anything, you name it, they should be Department of Immigration, they, they should be in other places, dispersed. In all the major cities, I would dare say we could start with the cities that represent the dollar bill. You know how on a dollar bill they have like a A and a B and a C and a D? I pretty much know many of those states. Like D is, I think, Cleveland. C is Philadelphia. B might be Boston. I'm not sure. A, I forget. But you get the idea. One of them's New York. And um, so you, you go through those dollar bills, and wherever there's a treasury, maybe you also put a government headquarters for a specific department, Department of Energy, 
what have you. That should have already been done. But it's not. And it's why there is so many liberals in D.C. Because they're all voting for a bigger paycheck. And that's a problem. I mean, D.C. votes for the presidential Democratic candidate 97%. It's an insane number. It's unhealthy. And if they think that's healthy, then they should think again. That's not healthy. Having a one-party system is not healthy. Turning America into Detroit is not healthy. Turning America into San Francisco is not healthy. These are slum cities that nobody wants to live in anymore. And everybody wants to move to Florida, including liberals, who are so ignorant that they actually bring their vote with them. Their vote carries along with them. And with that, they carry their stupidity to the polling box and they destroy every last remnant of freedom that they ever thought they should have. And they're doing it to themselves and they're doing it to us and they're doing it to their fellow man. They're not doing it right. They're not voting. They're voting short-term thinking. They're voting for the cover of the brochure without reading the brochure. You know, they can make a decent argument maybe on its face for D.C., but there's a reason why D.C. was never a state. And they'll use that argument and whatever they could take from that to try to try to turn Puerto Rico and America Samoa, uh, the islands out there. And again, this is just the first step to the next step of packing the court. And you wonder why it is that Amy Coney Barrett, who's writing a book right now, a $2 million advance on a book. I think someone tweeted out, what should it be called? And is like, hypocrite. What a sellout that woman became overnight. How in the world have we... Are we living in a place where the justices are afraid of the American people? The radical left. It's still going after January 6th protesters when President Trump, all he said was peacefully march, patriotically march over to the Capitol. And then Antifa showed its ugly head and waged a coup attack and said that they were they were inspired by Trump. They lied. It was the Democrats that always, they always seem to be doing this kind of thing in terms of in terms of corrupting a uh, a protest with their violence and ignorance. And yet, that's the one they want to hold on to. They don't want to look at what's happening in Minneapolis or elsewhere. All these different stabbings and all these different uh, odd behaviors coming from Black Lives Matter groups 
and supporters. It's a hateful group. And we're supposed to, like, we can't object to it. If we do, we're racist. At this point, I, I could give crap. I could give two craps about whether someone considers me a racist or not. I don't even care. They've watered that name down. It doesn't mean anything. I know I'm not a racist. And no one's going to change the way I view people. I happen to be one that views people as equal, regardless of skin color, regardless of gender, regardless of religion. And I think anybody who gets into that, whether it even be a religious right that says, well, you know, we we accept everybody, but if you don't, uh, you know, if you don't believe in God, or if you don't believe in this, if you don't believe in that, we don't want you. I don't believe in any of that. Whether it's the right or the left, say, you know, creating a category. I think it's wrong either way. That's why I can't get my head around the idea that black people are so... Um, persuaded by skin color when knowing that it was skin color alone that crucified them in the 1950s and 60s. And that somehow Martin Luther King's statement of, you know, content of character versus color of one's skin doesn't even exist. Like people have forgotten what he had said. What he had said was so articulate and brilliant and timely. It meant something. That dream speech meant something in American history. Just like when John F. Kennedy said, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. I don't care if he's a liberal or not. I love this phrase. I love it. It doesn't matter if you're left or right. It doesn't matter if you're black or white, woman or man. We got to get past all of this. But yet we keep on endorsing these leaders, people that are dumb as rocks. Like LeBron James comes to mind when I think of a dumb rock. Right? The guy is just ignorant as the day is long. And he's out there calling for a policeman to be ruined for doing his job. It's so bad. So this whole thing about D.C. and Biden is all about getting the Senate... Uh, because... D.C. votes left 97%. They will have the most radical liberal senators, two of them, to add to the Senate, to pack the Senate. And once you create that little buffer in terms of padding the Senate, you can then go about packing the court without, the, without any kind of rejection from Paul Man, uh, 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 Joe Manchin from West Virginia. And without maybe some other senator not wanting to endorse packing the court. They don't have the votes to pack the court. Doesn't seem like it. 
So packing the court that might require a couple of extra senators. So turning D.C. into a state will get them two more. And they'll do a count. And if they need another two, they'll go after Puerto Rico. Say, hey, this is a good president. You did it for this one. Why don't you do it for this one? And you did it for this one. Why don't you do it for that one? So you got Puerto Rico. You got D.C. Now Puerto Rico. You got Puerto Rico. Now America Samoa. Now you got six new radically branded far left wing senators that will never ever, those states will never ever ever vote for a Republican senator. Because they're just too ignorant. They don't even know what the Constitution is about. All they want is free handouts. All they want is bigger aid. So they endorse the aid. They're promised all kinds of things. When you become a state, you'll get more money from the federal government, Puerto Rico, America Samoa, Washington, D.C. You'll get more federal aid. It'll be good for you. You'll win. So they'll all endorse it and all embrace it. Yeah, we should be a state. But that's not that's not healthy. Meanwhile, on the right, you have you know what Paul Preston's doing with the fifty first state in California, New California. And he has an uphill battle, he's fighting every day for it. That would be two senators there. But then I think you would see uh, other measures. You would see Texas breaking off and seceding from the Union and saying, you know what, I don't want to be a part of this country anymore. And they might have a right to do that. And then that would be pretty much the death sentence to America as, as, as it is. And frankly, what, what is left of America when we become a social socialist communist country run by dictators who change the rules and we allowed this to happen through I don't know was it election rigging was it media manipulation was it was it the Chinese terrorist attack known as COVID-19 the bioweapon of choice What was it that caused us our defeat? What was it? It's a whole host of things. Meanwhile, today, we have a new audit. And I checked it out. It's pretty impressive. azaudit.org. Check it out. I encourage you to go there. That's AZ for Arizona. AZAudit.org. Check it out. There are nine cameras, live cameras. You can see people walking around. They're pretty much empty spaces, but they're live. And they're going to be doing an audit, the most open audit in American history. 
And one of the guys that's sweating bullets is Mark Elias. He's the guy behind the Russian hoax. He's the guy that is an attorney for Perkins Coey who financed CrowdStrike to um, conceal the Democratic National Committee DNC server and keep it away from the FBI. And he's also the guy that worked with John Podesta directly. And together they coined up, uh, they worked with Glenn Simpson over at Fusion GPS and spun the Russian, Russian hoax. And he's the guy that was on stage with Sean Henry from CrowdStrike and John Podesta to talk about the Russian hoax. At the time, they weren't calling it a hoax. They were calling it a Russian conspiracy to overthrow the 2016 election. And he's on stage with all these characters. He was Hillary Clinton's attorney. Hillary Clinton paid him directly to wage the coup against the new installed, newly installed President Trump by manufacturing a complete fabricated story. Where did he get that idea? I wonder. Where did they get the Russian hoax idea? Well, they got it from Hillary Clinton herself. Wasn't she on the Watergate Commission? The answer is yes. Wasn't she fired from the Watergate Commission for being corrupt and unethical? The answer is yes. So, basically, the Watergate Commission was all about who broke into the DNC. Who broke into the DNC? And whoever broke into the DNC should be found guilty. Well, certainly the DNC wouldn't break into their own DNC, would they? Or would they? So the answer is, is the DNC breaks into their own DNC. But no one would believe that. So the natural course of action would be their political opponents broke into the DNC. Turns out that the plumbers that broke into the Watergate that night in 1970-whatever, one, um, or 1970, I think it was probably 70, yeah, election year. So just like, just like in, the 19, in 2016, when the DNC was fighting for, its, for the win, somebody, ha- uh, probably Seth Rich, took the data and dispersed it. But they had to figure out who to blame for the break-in. Because that was no different. That was a break-in. When you hack a server, that's sort of like a break-in, right? So what they said was, what do we learn from Watergate? We learned that the cover-up could be worse than the crime. So let's just go ahead and say that Team Trump broke into our servers because we're busted. Now, Seth Rich, an DNC employee, probably did it. And we'll just go ahead and kill him. And they did. They, he's dead. <laughs> okay, but what are they? What now? He's dead, but that's not going to fix the problem, is it? We killed him, made an example out of him, like John Podesta promised. We got to make an example out of these people that betray us. And they made good on that. So Seth Ridge is dead. That's the first part. Okay. But that's not going to solve the problem. The problem with the break-in 
is such that if President Trump were to win as a result of this, and he did as a result of this, then we got to get him out of office. Because the whole idea is to rig the election and keep him out of office. Because if he gets his hands into this, he's going to disrupt everything we've done. He's not going to take a break. He's not going to go on vacation. He's going to work his butt off and reverse all the fortunes that we've gained. And sure enough, that's exactly what happened. So in Watergate, the plumbers broke into Watergate. And what do you know happened? They said, okay, well, that has to be from Nixon. And it turns out that these plumbers were CIA operatives that were socialists, communists. Half of them didn't even speak English. They were operatives. So they, they get caught. Now, do you think these guys, if they were good at what they did, could, could easily break into anything and not get caught? They didn't even have proper security systems back then. Breaking into a Watergate hotel? It's now a set of condos where RBG used to live. It's not high security. And to break into that and get caught means that somebody wanted you to get caught. That's how that works. And they got caught and they were exposed. And next thing you know, they... uh, were 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 um, connected with a bunch of different people. Now you had John De- John uh, how how, uh, how Jim Dean uh, John Dean I think, and um, you had uh, a whole bunch of ho- uh, people that were infiltrating the Nixon White House, and they turned on Nixon, and then Nixon got involved and tried to cover it up. And one thing Trump said was, one thing I learned about Watergate was the cover-up can be worse than the crime, so I'm not going to get involved. I'll let whatever happens happen. And he was made the right, smart choice. As soon as his fingerprints would touch anything, they would take his fingerprints and manipulate it into something sinister. And he would have been impeached. They were just itching to impeach him. They went through two impeachment trials. For, for him doing nothing. A perfect call with Ukraine, the Russian hoax that he had nothing to do with. Somehow, things have just been flipped up on their heads. That the innocent are the guilty and the guilty are the innocent. And the media is what allows that to happen. Because they're, they're not doing their job. Woodward and Bernstein were radically left-wing liberals doing the work for the FBI. Remember? the In the Watergate... They had the deep throat guy, Mark Felt, the FBI guy. He was a socialist liberal that hated the fact that Nixon didn't hire him and um, up him, give him a promotion. And we, we all know what Carl Bernstein and John Woodward are all about. They hated Trump. They hated Nixon. So they went after him with vigor. And they had all the support and help from the FBI who are acting as informants. It's no different than what happened with the Russian hoax. Well, this guy, Mark Elias, was all part of that. Same playbook, same play. 
different time. And four years later, he's directly in the middle of a new election. Trump versus Biden, who can't even speak in complete sentences, who is the biggest racist president that's ever held the office. Hillary's attorney, Mark Elias, inserts himself into the middle, into the, uh, into the Arizona State Audit of Maricopa County, is using his massive network to broaden his attack. What are they hiding? So the National Democratic machine is in panic mode over the upcoming Arizona Senate's Maricopa County ballot audit. Last week, the Democrats sent in the national fixer, uh, its national fixer, attorney Mark Elias's firm, Perkins Coey, to throw around threats and make the audit go away. Today, Elias took to the media in his effort to badmouth the audit. The stakes are astronomical for the Dems. After all, the November 3rd, 2020 election steal gained them the presidency and control of Congress. The swing states in which the 2020 election steal occurred are key to overcoming the truth and proving the fraud in the election. And Arizona is one of those states. So today, uh, this was a... Few, this was last week, actually. Elias published a piece on the far-left Democratic Democracy Docket website. Republicans in Arizona's state Senate are determined to carry on with yet another unnecessary audit of the Maricopa County 2020 election results. They've hired private firms to conduct the audit, including one led by a conspiracy theorist who has promoted Trump's big lie and other election fraud fantasies. And now the state Senate is accepting outside donations to fund the audit mere days after Governor Ducey signed new legislation banning private donations to count, uh, county administrators to help support timely, safe, and secure elections. A move Secretary of State Katie Hobbs, Democrat, said was to satisfy the conspiracy theorists within his own party. Elias goes on to claim it is unfair that the Senate is soliciting funds to help pay for the audit. But neglects to mention the audit is costing more money because the corrupt Maricopa County Board of Supervisors won't allow the Senate to perform their audit in the facility where the ballots are housed. Elias also doesn't mention that the Board of Supervisors wasted tens of thousands of dollars on two garbage audits that provide no value other than to provide the supervisors the clean bill of health they wished for. So clearly from the start, Elias and the Democrats and their friends are trying to desperately hide something. The Senate will be conducting an audit of the 2020 Maricopa County elections because the Maricopa Board of Supervisors utterly refused in its responsibilities in delivering a transparent, honest, and accurate audit from Maricopa County citizens. The Senate has hired four teams to conduct the audit, led by Cyber Ninjas, according to AZ Central. The Senate said the scope of work includes scanning all the ballots, a full manual recount of the 2.1 million ballots cast in the election, auditing the regulations and votes 
cast as well as the vote counts and the electronic voting system. At the bottom of Mark Elias' democracy docket alert, he sends his loyal base to an April, 22, uh, April 12th Tucson article by a progressive-leaning reporter, Howard Fisher of Capital Media Services, the guy who has had a monopoly on progressive media output in his part of Arizona for decades. With the honorary title of Dean of the Capitol Press Corps, Fisher has been reporting since 1982, and at last count, he has 24 separate publications, dailies and weeklies, plus audio to KJZZ. Fisher also regularly provides content to NPR, whose content is the furthest left on the media uh, of any media. So Elias controls the strings of not only a mammoth U.S. non-profit cable cabal of 400 plus non-for-profits and a related U.S. progressive attorney network of 40,000 plus attorneys, but he also has his finger on the pulse of the network of top progressive reporters, which favorably cover Democratic progressive issues in any states where Elias and or Perkins Coey have gotten lawfare action going. So the reason why that backstory, that's the backstory to the story of the day. And today, I guess it started yesterday, maybe, but uh, it was Arizona Senate's audit of Maricopa County's 2020 election results is ready to go watch live from your iPhone or home computer. So all you got to do is go to azaudit.org and you can see the audit going in place in live form. I think that's really important. This may be the most transparent audit in U.S. history. The audits, auditors selected by the Arizona State are providing video access to the, to the world of their audit activities in real time. The auditors are prepared and ready to begin their audit of Maricopa County's election results. This has been a long process, but this day has finally come. Today, the machines and ballots were moved to the Veterans Memorial Coliseum at the state fairgrounds where they will be audited. You know, the um, importance of this, the importance of this is that if they do find things that, that are compromised, this opens up Pandora's box. If they find something sinister here, then they're going to have to take this to other states. And this is the kind of audit that people have been looking for. And there was never enough time to do this audit. But now that the the results of the election are finalized and that the crimes have been committed and the harm has been done, now there can be a retaliatory uh, litigation to this. It's like, okay, what were, what were your losses? And at the time, you know, before Biden was sworn in, you couldn't really say what the loss was. But now you can. And I believe Texas might even have a case similar to this. Even though they might not be the ones <clears throat> with that much fraud, um, I think what you have to do is you have to look 
at states like Michigan, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin for a lot of these things. And uh, I was just told by one of our show hosts um, to give the um, to give the uh, web address again, and that's azaudit.org, azaudit.org. And it's just uh, there. But you can also find this information over at Gateway Pundit, gatewaypundit.com. So, also, I want to get to some other stories. O- Oklahoma governor signs bill protecting drivers who hit unhinged protesters blocking streets and highways. Okay, so, you know, these protesters that block the highways and block the doorways and block the entryways should be arrested on site, just like what happened on January 6th. These people need to to get arrested for their civil disturbance. I don't understand why it is that we have two standards of justice. I just don't understand it. Like, for, for example... This 30-year Navy chaplain veteran targeted again by TSA after standing on steps of Capitol and voluntarily speaking to FBI, telling them he saw Antifa breaking windows. So ever since U.S. veteran Presley Stutz voluntarily agreed to speak with FBI agents about standing on the steps of the Capitol building on January 6, 2021, During the infamous Capitol building protest, he has been flagged and repeatedly searched by the TSA every time he travels. So Stutz served in the Navy as a chaplain for 30 years. Now retired from the military, he owns a small business in South Carolina. On January 6th, he joined an estimated 1 million Americans for a peaceful protest against what a majority of Americans believed was a stolen election. 70%, I think, believed it was stolen. So Mr. Stutz traveled to D.C. to show his support for President Trump, but he wasn't part of a planned insurrection, and he certainly never imagined he'd find himself on the steps of the Capitol building. Presley Stutz, and I know this firsthand because we had a friend come down from Philadelphia And that morning, she was on our show, in our studio. And then she left and went there. And she went home almost in tears because of the the way that whole thing went down. It was super stressful for her. And she had no idea what was about to take place. I live in the D.C. area. I chose not to go. I said, this is not, this is not going to be going well. And I pretty much knew it because I kind of knew who the organizers of the event were. And frankly, I wasn't in support of those types of conservatives that were running the show. Just like I wasn't really a big fan of the people that were running the Georgia rally. Uh, with with um, with uh, the different attorneys down there telling people not to uh, vote in the upcoming uh, runoff in Georgia. 
don't be fooled, don't be dumb, don't be, you know, you're, you're, don't be fooled twice. That was terrible advice. And the people endorsing all of that, I think, made a big mistake. And they showed their ugly heads again in the Jericho March. And again, who's running the show here? And one of the biggest problems with the conservative movement right now is that the people that are supporting the conservative, you know, they're, 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 it's a divided party. Who should be leading this party? Should it be Winred and GOP? I don't think so. They had a horse like Secretariat that should never have lost on the track, and they allowed that horse to lose. They were outplayed in the rigging department, and they should have been on it. This should have been something that should have been addressed early on. But Rhonda McDaniel was outplayed. She wasn't ready for prime time. She has zero street smarts. All she does is hoards money into her pockets. And acts like a leader, but is not a leader. And she's a direct lineage to Mitt Romney. So go figure. I don't think she ever had Trump's best interest at heart. Maybe in 2016, maybe. But President Trump, I don't see him endorsing Ronald McDaniel right now. Yes, he's praised her in the past, but Trump's done that with a lot of people. It's part of the show. But who he keeps around him in times like these, it's not going to be Ronan McDaniel and Winred. And I, I think you ought to turn your back on Winred and, and Ronan McDaniel. Personally, frankly, that's my opinion. They've let you down and they have proven to endorse one rhino after the next. And frankly, that's a, that's a, a disgusting thing. Something we can't redo. And then we have all these different factions rising up and trying to lead our party. And frankly, I, I, I think it's confusing. Who is the rightful leader of the party? And really, frankly, what I, I think you have to do is you have to listen to the body of work that people are putting out there and figure out whether or not it's been about them first or whether it's been about the country first. And you can make your decisions from that. But you got to open your eyes and you got to read the whole brochure, the body of work, and what's been done. And then... Choose your, if you're going to be a donor, choose your donations wisely. But do your research before you do that. Do it. I think that's important. So this Mr. Stutz is constantly being targeted by our own country's leadership, by our Gestapo police, like the Stasi, and like the KGB, it's terrible out there. So I want to read a couple of tweets, too, because uh, they're pretty good, and we're running out of uh, show time, but we're going to get uh, to the point. And um, 
I want to just find them. All right, so here's a couple of quick quickies that I want to get to. So Rick Rennell inspired me to in this show, and he said, no state should have all the federal jobs. If D.C. becomes a state, then the federal government must move out of D.C. and disperse itself among the states. I agree 100%. Emerald Robinson said, so Georgia Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger took how much money from Mark Zuckerberg's charity to fourth to fortify democracies in the 2020 election? Try more than $5 million. Cat Turd said, what should Amy Coney Barrett's new $2 million book be named? And when you click on that, it's like Robert's Girl, <laughs> Backstabbing for Dummies, <laughs> Fifty Shades of Betrayal. <laughs> you know, it's, it's different, different uh, suggestions like that. Cat Turd's pretty funny. Um, Steve Scalise writes, Breaking, Democrats voted against requiring illegal immigrants who just crossed the border to get a COVID test before being allowed to fly all over the country. Again, Democrats voted against requiring illegal immigrants who just crossed the border to get a COVID test before being allowed to fly all over the country. But they make American citizens coming back from Mexico get one. Their double standards are outrageous. That's Steve Scalise, who was shot by a Bernie supporter and almost died from his bullet wounds. But nobody wants to talk about that. Rising Serpent says, They canceled James O'Keefe for telling the truth, but LeBron James still has his Twitter account for threatening the life of a police officer. Do you see the problem? I do. It's a double standard. It's hypocrisy at its finest. It's terrible that we're living in a world with this kind of transparent ignorance, and yet somehow they still have a voice. It's, it's beyond me. So Breaking 911 says, Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot is considering requiring police officers to get a supervisor's permission before beginning a foot chase. Says she'll announce new policies soon. So you're on foot. <laughs> Reminds me of the rules of engagement that uh, Obama put forth in the Middle East. It's like you're never going to kill any of your adversaries that way. You can't go on a foot chase until you get a supervisor to say uh, sign off on it. When the only person that really knows whether a foot chase would be mer- uh, have merit is the person on the scene. But an advisor uh, behind the closed doors, miles away, is going to know the answer? It's so stupid. It's so disrespectful to police officers. Emerald Robinson writes, The greatest sporting event of 2021 is the audit of voting ballots in Arizona. She's basically trying to say, pay attention to that particular issue. It's important. And then Breaking 911 says, Breaking, United Nations elects, you're never going to believe this, folks. I've read this one already. 
United Nations elects Iran to Commission on Women's Rights. UN Watch. Can you believe that? Iran. Iran was elected by the United Nations. Iran to Commission on Women's Rights. I've seen it all. Uh, of course, a cat turd says, of course, Joe Biden, who raised Hunter, is blaming everything on cops and not bad parenting. Charlie Kirk writes, a Black Lives Matter mob stormed the Oklahoma Capitol. Let's see, hold on. So it says, a Black Lives Matter mob stormed the Oklahoma Capitol, causing lawmakers to go into lockdown and forcing police to clear the protesters out of the building. I wonder why this isn't national news. Why isn't it the FBI tracking them down and interviewing their, their relatives? Where are the charges? Daily Caller writes, Name something funnier than John Curry lecturing America about climate change. I can't. I can't. Joe Pollack writes, At some level, it's funny to watch Wall Street panic over a capital gains tax imposed by the guy they spent so much money to elect. Julie Kelly writes, posting this every day until GOP senators speak up for January 6th. Political prisoners, Warren and Durbin, already have. So Capitol riot defendants will unlikely deem charges as they face harsh. So solitary confinement is a form of punishment that is cruel and psychologically damaging. So even the Democrats are standing up for some of this, right? Um, I want to get to uh, another Charlie Kirk one before we run out of time here. I think people underestimate how fundamentally dangerous it is for a country to be governed by people who hate the very nation they were elected to lead and have benefited so much from. Time to wake up. And Kat Turd writes, my, government, my governor Ron DeSantis is a rock star and the best governor in the USA. It's pretty great. And there was this audio clip I wanted to play. We don't have time to play it today. We'll probably play it on Monday. Patrick Holly writes, I don't really feel like accepting the country become becoming a borderless strip mall where anarchy can only be solved by masked government agents who harass you if you're if you don't wear a mask and who won't who want to take away our guns, but whatever. Anyway, that brings us me to the end of the show. My name's Scott Adams. We'll see you next time on the radio. Just to bury my kids right up to there.